Hey folks, happy May. More accurately, happy Cinco de Mayo, or the 5th of May. How are you guys doing? Tonight's episode is going to be a uh, a pretty in-depth episode of the Whitfield Report. We talk about Kanye West's interview on TMZ. And I really... I'm really going to be talking about cultural Marxism in this show and how it got started here in this country. I have a clip from uh, Andrew Breitbart talking about that subject that I'm going to be playing later on in the show. And I'm going to be dissecting Kanye West's uh, groundbreaking interview on TMZ. Uh, that occurred earlier this week. People were asking me to uh, review that uh, interview. I was going to do it Thursday, but I decided to save it for the show. So I, I'm doing that for tonight's episode. And I want to thank you for listening to the audio podcast. As always, you can catch the live streams of this podcast on our YouTube channel. Uh, 8 p.m., Eastern Saturday nights, go to the Samwit Field and follow the uh, the link to the uh, the YouTube channel from our website at thesamwitfield.com. And uh, folks, be sure to support me on Patreon too by going to patreon.com forward slash Whitfield for just a dollar a month. A dollar a month, you can support this podcast and everything else I'm doing. I really appreciate it, and without further ado, let's start the show. Thank you for listening, folks. God bless. Good evening, folks. Welcome to the Whitfield Report. I am your host, Sam Whitfield, broadcasting live from NGC TV Studios here in South Florida. And I want to thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Whitfield Report. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at SamDeVere underscore NGC, hashtag Whitfield Report. You can also follow the Whitfield Report on Twitter at Whitfield Report. You can follow me on Gab at Sam Whitfield and on Instagram at Sam W underscore NGC, Facebook.com forward slash Whitfield Report. And as always, you can go to the SamWhitfield.com. You can also subscribe to the audio version of this podcast on iTunes or by going to anger.fm forward slash Whitfield Report, and uh, clicking on any of the links. We're available wherever your pot, 
wherever you, you get your audio podcast from. Anyway, folks, like I said, I want to thank you for joining me for tonight's show. Very rarely do I repeat a uh, a topic or expand upon a topic from a previous show. But last week I, I talked about Kanye West's new uh, single, Ye vs. the People. And I I spent basically the entire hour and a half of the show uh, discussing why Kanye West's new uh, openness to the MAGA movement is so key to what we're trying to do in terms of influence the culture. Now, I've gotten a lot of pushback, and there's been a lot of pushback in the past week uh, from conservatives who are saying that we shouldn't be so quick to uh, embrace Kanye. There's been pushback from commentators like uh, Tommy Lahren, who, uh, who I'll get to in a bit. We actually have that clip, who are saying that conservatives are foolish to embrace uh, Kanye West so quickly. And to them, I say that, that, that this is simply not true. I, I, first off, I want to make something clear. Just because I like what Kanye West is doing so far does not mean that I'm all of a sudden loyal to him 100%. I'm not fully, look, if, if he does go off the, if he does go off the reservation and start endorsing uh, crazy SJW theories 24-7, then yeah, obviously, I'm out. But what Kanye West is doing right now, and yes, I know he said that Emma Gonzalez is, is his hero, but what he's doing right now is he's he's starting a conversation. He's opening a dialogue about having a dialogue in this country between people who disagree with each other. So it's amusing because you have you have people in the conservative movement who are saying that he's not conservative enough, that he's simply uh, critiquing, that he's simply you know espousing SJW theories and pretending to be a conservative. And then you have the left who is saying that you know he's basically an alt-right neo-Nazi, which is absurd. And then you have anyone who's actually been paying attention to this thing with any sort of neutral view, with any sort of open view like I've been doing, because like I said, I'm not a huge Kanye West fan. I don't love him. I don't hate him. I'm, I've been pretty indifferent to him up to this point. Um, so I'm just looking at this from a stance of like a neutral party. I'm, I'm more curious than anything at this point as to, uh, what he's up to. 
But I have to say, so far, I, I like what I'm hearing. Now, earlier this week, he did an interview with uh, TMZ. And basically, which he explained to himself why he is making the the change, why he's on... I don't want to really say the war path because that's not the right term, but why he's on the path to uh, change minds and influence uh, hearts and win people over. He did this interview with TMZ, which uh, publicly it was it was edited and cut short. Uh, but I have the full extended interview where he basically uh, confronts. A whole bunch of liberals, far liberals, I mean, it's the paparazzi in, in TMZ, in their own offices, mind you. And he starts asking them questions and giving his reasoning for why he's supporting Trump and, you know, why he's made the sudden change. And you can visibly see that people in this room are moved. He, he's with uh, Candace Owens, and you can see a little bit of her in this clip, but basically, this is this is the interview that's been making the, the rounds the big week. So I'm going to go ahead and dissect this interview. I'm going to play a segment of it and uh, break it down for you, and we're basically, we're basically going to do a breakdown of this Kanye West interview with TMZ and what it means, because I think it, I think it's very important to understand what's going on here. So we are going to break that down because that was a request that I got from people this week was to break down the TMZ interview. Uh, so without further ado, here is the extended cut of... Kanye West interview with TMZ. This is from uh, Tuesday of this past week. Cut number one, go. Based on what yeah. you've just said here, yeah. it sounds to me you got precisely the reaction you wanted by wearing that hat. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't you want a reaction. You wanted a reaction. No. You no. knew there was going to be a reaction. I knew there was going to be a reaction, but I'm just living my life day by day doing what I feel and what the spirit calls upon me to do. But it also but you opens you up this dialogue people. that you're not apologizing because everybody else, when they make a statement like that, they end up apologizing because they're so worried about what people say on social media. Well, you know why... You know why when I went to visit him the first time, um, I, I, right I, after the election. Yeah, and I, I took the tweets yeah, yeah. down and everything. Yeah. Cause I was drugged the fuck out, bro. I was drugged out. I was on opioids. Two days after I got off of opioids, and I was addicted to opioids. Two days I got off of opioids, I'm, I'm in the hospital, right? I'm taking two. Hey, everyone, listen to this, please. Two days before I was in the hospital. I was on opioids. I was addicted to opioids. I had plastic surgery because I was trying to look good for y'all. I got liposuction. 
Because I didn't want y'all to call me fat like y'all called Rob at the wedding and made him fly home before me and Kim got married. I didn't want y'all to call me fat, so I got liposuction, right? And they gave me opioids, right? And I started taking two of them and then driving to work on the opioids, right? Then my boy, and I'd always ask my boy, uh, you know, to, to hand me if it's, uh, you know, we on tour, give me some weed, blah, blah, blah. So he had to go give me the opioids. And there was talks amongst my camp, like, yeah, he's popping, yeah, he's popping pills, right? So when he handed to me, this to me, he said, you know, this is used to kill genius, right? So I didn't take it. Two days later, I'm in a hospital. I was taking two pills a day at that time. When I left the hospital, how many pills you think I was given? Now, this is a big point of contention that people are making. Why is Kanye West talking about pills? Why is he, why is he bringing up, bringing up pills? This is a big uh, criticism that a lot of people on both the left and the right. Well, he's talking about his past, right, and how he's, you know, been taking pills and how he's been heavily uh, drugged up or, as he likes to say, drugged the fuck out uh, to do his performances. He's, he's, he's admitting he has demons and he's admitting that this is a struggle for him. But he's going to be talking about how this has changed for him. Keep on watching. It's interesting. Seven. I went from taking two pills to taking seven. So the reason why I denounced, why I dropped those tweets and everything, because I was drugged the fuck out, bro. And I'm not drugged out. This, these pills that they want me to take three of a day, I take one a week, maybe two a week. Y'all had me scared of myself, of my vision. So I took some pills so I wouldn't go to hospital and prove everyone right. We are drugged out. We are following other people's opinions. We are controlled by the media. And today it all changes. You get Okay, now he is speaking metaphorically, ladies and gentlemen, and this is the one thing that I have loved seeing about the about the new Kanye Kanye West so far. He speaks a lot in metaphors. No, of course, obviously not everyone in America is drugged out right now. Literally. But a lot of us are on drugs in terms of you know, the mainstream media, whose opinions we follow. Uh, there, there are lots of people who, who are just sheep who don't look at other opinions, who can't have a level of debate. So he, he's speaking in, in metaphors right now. And uh, for those of you listening on the audio podcast, I'll, I'll explain... I'll, I'll explain the visuals of this here in a sec, but what you're going, 
what you're going to see here is a noticeable shift in the room here in just one sec. It's amazing to watch, honestly. It really is. Tupac and Lennon in that hallway. Today, it all changes. We need to think how to think free. We need to be free thinkers. Then we need to learn how to feel free. People say feel free, but we don't even know how to feel free or think free. Say what you feel, positive or negative. I just got off the phone with J. Cole. He said, how do you feel when they said the Crips is going to uh, kill you? I said, man, that was the headline. But when they said um, they wanted to beat me up, I said, that's great. They're my brothers. They love me. They don't want nothing to happen to you. They just want to beat some sense to me. I love Daz. I love the Crips. I love the Bloods. I love everyone. How many people are feeling, how many people felt something that I said today? Raise a hand if you felt something that I said today. Now, for those of you listening on the audio podcast, this is fascinating because... Right, the TMZ off, the TMZ uh, offices, uh, there, there's a, it's a square room, and there are several desks all lined up, and people are raising their hand, um, in a row, responding to Kanye's question. So it's, it's, it's definitely, it definitely is interesting. It's, uh, powerful to see. Is YouTube, and I, I'm getting a notification now that YouTube may be blocking this, uh, Stream so for so for those who if if you can't see that can can anyone in the chat let me know if you can still see the stream let me know do you feel that I'm feeling do do you feel that I'm being free and I'm thinking free yes do, do, I actually don't think you're thinking anything I think what you're doing right now is actually the absence of thought. And the reason why I feel like that, because Kanye, you're entitled to your opinion. You're entitled to believe whatever you want. But there is fact and real world, real life consequence behind everything that you just said. And while you are making music and being an artist and living the life that you've earned by being a genius, the rest of us in society have to deal with these threats to our lives. We have to deal with the marginalization that has come from the 400 years of slavery that you said for our people was a choice. Every day we have to walk into that truth while you choose to say things that, to be honest with you, dog, are nonsensical. You want to think freely? That's fine. I'll combat your free thought with my free thought because mine is grounded in a reality that I've been given and a reality that I'm going to change, but I'm not going to do it by pretending that the enemies are on the same team as me. And frankly, 
I'm disappointed. Okay, this this is very interesting to see what's going on. This guy who is in the TMZ office, I don't know his name, but this individual is basically accusing Kanye West of teaming up with the enemy. Okay? That that is what the left is calling conservatives. They're calling us the enemy. We're the enemy. This is the this is the language of cultural Marxism. It's crap. It and Kanye's response to to this is uh, I mean I was even shocked the last time that I saw this. The first time that I saw this, rather. I'm appalled, and brother, I am unbelievably hurt by the fact that you have morphed into something, to me, that's not real. That's the way I feel. Stand on all the coffee tables you want to stand on, say whatever you want to say, but don't throw a stone, then hide your hand like the rest of us are just going to swallow it. Yay, be yay, I'm off it forever. Do you, but remember, the life that I live is as a real person, an actual person. Now, the thing is, he said some, uh, he said grounded in reality. This reality has been forced upon us. It is a choice. Just like when I said slavery is a choice. The reality, we can make our own reality. We can... Now, when Kanye West refers to slavery here, folks, he's not talking about literal slavery. Obviously, he knows that 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 wasn't a choice. But what he's referring to in the slavery thing is that people are mental slaves, of particularly on the, on the left. They're slaves of this mindset that they're victims, that they're oppressed. Again... Kanye West here is combating cultural Marxism in a big way, ladies and gentlemen. Talk about history, but not too long. We need to talk about our now because we can fix and start loving each other now. When I say we have no enemies, we don't have enemies. We need to talk about our history, but not for too long. We need to talk about now. That is so true. What what he's saying is 100% true. And like I said on the show last week, this is what Star Parker and Alan West and Herman Cain and all of these other black conservative uh activists and commentators have been saying for years. But why hasn't it gotten noticed? Well, because these individuals are political people. They're not in the uh, sphere of pop culture like Kanye West is. This is why, this is one of the reasons why Kanye's uh, free thought movement is so important. Because it's not coming from an intellectual or a commentator. It's not coming from someone like me. 
it's coming from a a music icon, a pop culture icon. They're the ones who are changing things. Let's uh let's check the chat. Uh okay. B West says uh it's live on watching on Periscope and also it's live on both. Okay, that's good. Um YouTube gave me a, a notification that the content may be blocked on here and that's always a little freaky. I mean I'm I'm talking over this video as I'm going along, so you know I'm so I'm well within my rights for fair use, but YouTube always uh, does this. So anyway, uh, continuing on, this is uh, this is really powerful stuff. Black people have a tendency to focus and march when a white person kills a black person or wears a hat, but when it's 700 kids being killed in Chicago, it's okay. It's okay for blacks to kill blacks, but if it's a white uh, thing, wait, wait, no, wait, wait, saying that's okay. That's, no, wait, 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 There's wait, wait, been stop, more focus stop, and stop. more marches. That is a lie. About yo, don't believe that. killing blacks. There, wait, wait, wait. kids in Chicago killing each other. That's a lie. There are black people working. There. There yo, are no marches. Over ninety percent of black people getting killed are killed by other blacks. No, that's a fact. But there are no. That is a fact. But there. But there are black people. Okay, wait a second. Now this is a problem. We have to. You're you're too far. You have to be closer to me. I'm I'm here right now. There are black people working every single day. Brother, don't scream because it will make us look. Yeah. Crazy. Okay, I don't we look in front of this. Candace. You talk as a bullshit. Don't, no, when you, when you scream, when you scream and you don't talk, it okay. doesn't look. Okay. Right. Let, Listen, me, let me just say something. Let me, let me just say something. Let me park this upon you. Okay, this, this is a perfect example of what I'm yeah. talking about because these are two different versions of yeah. somebody else's truth. This is two different versions of somebody else's truth. So he gets up and he's talking slavery, right? Okay, I don't, I'm not enslaved, so that it's, like, I I don't mean to insult his reality. No, Kanye, come on over. I don't mean to I just want to give him a hug. No, I think I think let's, he might want to punish me, but I want to give him a hug. Let's finish the conversation. I love you and I want to give you a hug. I feel like you want to fight me right now, but I love you. I don't I don't fight with my fist, man. I've been through that. This is what I'm saying. So if I come over there, you're not gonna fight me? No, I'm not gonna hit Kanye West and TMZ. Bro, you got to be responsible. This is actually a very uh, moving moment here, here, ladies and gentlemen. At least, to me, it is very moving. I wouldn't say... I wouldn't go so far as to say that this is Kanye West, Martin Luther King moment. I wouldn't go that far, but I would go so far as to say that Kanye West, in this clip, is acting an awful lot like Martin Luther King here, in the sense that he is diffusing the tension in the room with a dialogue and with nonviolence, and he's offering to give this guy a hug. 
which is which is profound. He doesn't want to quote unquote fight his enemy. He wants to love people, and he he doesn't he doesn't see people as as his enemies either. He doesn't even see the Bloods and the Crips who are threatening to kill him as his enemies. He wants to have a dialogue with them too. And I think we've I think we've become so used used to, especially in the hip hop genre and the hip hop and rap genre, to people talking about gangbang you know, doing drive bys and gang rapes and gang bangs that this is very unreal for a rap for a rapper, a hip hop star to do this, and so people can't they don't know quite what to make of it. It's foreign to them. So for those of you watching on for those of you watching on the video, you can see this. For those of you listening in the audio, Kanye West is literally walking over to this reporter, and he's going to give him a, give him a hug, and they're going to have a, you know, they're going to continue a dialogue about this. This is this is rather brilliant, I think. Man. Bro, I'm sorry you I gotta, hurt you. You gotta be responsible, dog. I'm sorry I nah, hurt you, man, bro. bro. Your voice is too big. You I'm sorry I hurt you, bro. bro. I love you, bro. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry I hurt you with my words, bro. Yeah, bro. I love you, bro. Bro, I didn't mean I didn't mean to say things that hurt you. I didn't mean to wear the hat out the blue and shock so many people and not give them a way out of the pain. I understand that that gave him pain, that made him see pain. But guess what? When I went into the hospital. We're now in the hospital. TMZ is the hospital to fix the world. We, uh, Obama was our opioids and made us feel like everything yeah, yeah, was that's good. That's not true, bro. Yeah. That's not true. Listen, first yeah. of all, calm. What, what's your, what's your name though? I'm Van. I'm, and I'm, I'm sorry for, for disappointing you, Van. Yeah, listen. Yeah. Calmly. Yeah. What you said up there a second ago, yeah. the statistic on black on black violence is true. What they don't tell you is there are people dedicating their lives to working throughout the problems of black people. There are black people every day, boots on the ground. They're all over the place that are working towards this. Mm -hmm. Like every single day, people are trying to fix this problem. The narrative that black people don't care about black lives until a white person takes them is false. That is not true. But the but I I would ask this I would ask this reporter, this TMZ reporter, because what he's saying is true. Ladies and gentlemen, what he's saying is absolutely true. But I would ask this TMZ reporter why you're not hearing about the black uh, activists trying to help inner city crime. Why aren't you hearing about this? Right? We We always hear about innocent black kids being slaughtered in Chicago every weekend on a repeated basis. Why aren't we hearing about these help organizations that are trying to help inner city organizations? I have a theory. I think the media wants to continue to perpetuate the stereotype that all that all black people are oppressed and we need the government to take care of them. 
that is the long and short of it in my in my book. Anyway, continuing on. Hey, Kimmy, thanks for uh, tuning in. The problem is the people that are doing this work in communities every day, mm-hmm. guys all over the place, they don't get the type of reverence. They don't get the type of shine. They don't get the type of light spot, spotted on them, the spotlight, should I say, that other people do. Those people are the ones that need to be empowered, the people that can help Chicago, that can help South Baton Rouge, that can help those places, that are working there every day. They Again, why are we not hearing about this? It's it's because the the media, and unfortunately TM, TMZ is part of this, they want to perpetuate the stereotype. Maybe not the reporters themselves, but I, I think the higher-ups who are uh you know in bed with the deep state they all want to continue this narrative that black people are oppressed and that they need government assistance it's it's really that simple doing it and they dedicate their lives to it but they don't get big up by rappers they don't get invited to things they do it for nothing because they have to so what I'm trying to say is while we have all of these conversations about stuff that gets covered on the news, who's going to talk about what doesn't get covered on the news? Like to me, for, for me, for a lot of years, the dude that inspired me to be more than what I was in Baton Rouge, that was you. Ask everybody in this room for years, ask everybody in here, how many times we've had a Kanye West story and I've stood there the only person to defend Kanye West because what you meant to me. And then after that, you slap me in my fucking face by getting next to people who mean me harm and who are not who are who don't even care about the fact about being honest about the fact that they mean me harm. I, I think that we have to get next to everyone. We don't like Trump. We have to talk to them. We have to talk. We have to talk because Trump is a human being also, and he's in a very powerful position, and he's doing a lot of things to actually help business owners be able to go past all these fake laws and rules and things. I mean, Candace can give you the facts better better than that, but we need to speak to people. Uh, Einstein says the definite of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. So we keep on saying, I hate you, I hate you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. How are we going to get a different result out of hate? Why don't we just try love? Why don't we just try love? Why can't it be okay for an influential rapper in the black community to go up to the president and talk to him about how we can make a change one by one by one? We have the resources for a peaceful world. Uh, uh, I, I believe that Kim Jong-un didn't believe that Obama was crazy enough to come at him. You know, sometimes you need some crazy motherfuckers to change something. Steve Jobs is crazy. Now we all on Steve Jobs phones. They say Trump's crazy. They say I'm crazy. But I'm here to show love and we're going to make it through. I know I disappointed you today, brother. And I know I disappointed the black community when I wore the hat. And I'm sorry for disappointing you. But like I just told J. Cole on the phone right now, it's a bigger plan. And I'm just doing what the universe told me. So that is the extended interview of Kanye West on TMZ. Not really an interview, more like a full segment, but this is powerful stuff. 
And this was in the headlines for days. And this this is the reason why this is groundbreaking is this is the first time in my life that I can think of where we have actually had a dialogue about difference of opinion in this country. And it's also been a dialogue, the first time we've had a dialogue nationally, about why it is that black people are not being, why the, why the African-American community is being forced over to the left repeatedly. Kanye West speaks in metaphors a lot of the time, like ladies and gentlemen. That's one thing. That's one thing I've noticed about him. He speaks in metaphors, right? TMZ. We're in the hospital now, right? That's what he said. TMZ is the hospital to help heal the world, right? At the beginning of the show, he was talking about how he was on opioids and he was drugged out, and then he took that and made that about how America and the world is on opioids with political division, how we're not having dialogues with each other. So no, he might not be a full-on right-wing conservative, He might not fully be MAGA 100%, although he appears to be doing that more and more. He just seems to be a guy who wants to start a dialogue about having dialogues with people of, of different opinions in this country. And is that honestly so bad? Is that is that so bad to want to have a dialogue with people you you disagree with? No, I I, I try to have dialogues with people I agree with, and when I mean dialogues, I mean actual conversations, not shouting matches where people get pissed off and start shouting. When I when I was younger, I used to be more of like an argumentative. Debate debater, but now that I've gotten older, I really do try and limit my uh, use of shouting, and I, I really try not to be argumentative. I'm not, I'm not perfect at it. There are still topics and there are still times where I will get righteously indignant and start shouting and where I'll start going Michael Savage on people. I'm not uh, I'm not admitting to uh, to being perfect, but I think within the last year and a half since I ended the Whitfield analysis, which was my old podcast, and since I began the Whitfield report, my goal with this show 
has been to open more of a dialogue with people, right? I'm, I'm still the same conservative libertarian guy that I've always been, but rather than focusing on strictly politics and rather than trying to be the next Rush Limbaugh, quote-unquote, which when I, when, I, when I started podcasting 10 years ago, right, I was still a teenager. I was 13 years old, and there were other teenage consumers. We, we, we all wanted to be the next Rush Limbaugh. All of us. Maybe it wasn't Rush Limbaugh. Maybe it was Sean Hannity for some. Maybe it was Ann Coulter. But for, you know, pick a name in the conservative media sphere. Everyone wanted to be, you know, the next someone. You know, now as I got older, you know, I, I, you know, 15, 16, 17, I, I began to recognize the validity of you know, doing, having my own brand, doing my own thing. You know, I, I've taken a, I've taken a bit of influence from every single one of my, uh, influences to create my own style. You know, whether it be, uh, a little bit of Rush, a little bit of Hannity, a little bit of Levin, uh, a little bit of Dennis Prager, a little bit of Dennis Miller, babe. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've I've made that into my own brand, and with the with, with the Whitfield report, I kind of uh, I kind of rebranded this show when I relaunched as the Whitfield report last year, and it's been a big hit so far. I talk about conversations outside of politics too. I do movie reviews, and I'll do pop culture stuff. Why? Because politics is downstream from culture, and I believe it's important that we have a dialogue on multiple fronts about multiple things. And I realize I'm just one guy with a YouTube channel and a podcast, but I I have talked to people recently who have otherwise never considered listening to conservative podcasts and they like my show because they think I'm even healed that I don't yell I don't obsess over you know one particular topic I I don't call the listeners idiots if they don't agree with me 100% of the time I try to be a I try to be even if even if I'm not fair and balanced like Fox News is. I admit to having a bias. That's the other thing. I'm upfront about it, but I'm fair with how I present things. Now I I don't now I I bring none of that up to toot my own horn, but I bring that all up to show to people. That it's not impossible to have to have this sort of dialogue. And I think Kanye West is doing a similar thing in his interview with TMZ, in his interview with InfoWars, in his new single, Ye vs. the People, which I read some of the lyrics from on last week's show. 
this is this is groundbreaking stuff. It really is. That's happening here here in America. And uh let me let me read through some of the comments real quick before we continue on. I I've kind of I've kind of ignored the chat here. Uh for most of the podcast, so let's continue. Uh let's see. Dak says nice hat. Josh says, Hey Sam here to do my thing. B West, hey watching on Periscope and it's live on both. Oh yeah, that's in response to my earlier question. Uh there's some interaction on the chat. Uh Dak says LL the that the look on that guy's face next to Kanye. Yeah, man, I mean, that was the interesting thing. I I don't think people were really People didn't know what to expect from this interview. It was pretty clear to me that that was the case. Kimmy says salty. Uh, let's see. Stephanie says, I haven't seen the whole exchange, but saw a little bit on Neary. I didn't see how anyone who... I can't see how anyone is saying Trump is directly trying to harm them, just my two cents. Yeah, exactly. And that would have been the other question. If I were Kanye, and if I were in that room, I would have asked the the uh, the guy how Kanye, would, how Trump was hurting him, him, him directly. I, I would have asked that question if I were Kanye West. I would have said, how is... How is Trump hurting you directly? Right? Because we hear that all the time from the left that Trump's policies are quote unquote hurting the black community. We we hear that a lot. But yet we rarely get an explanation on the specifics of how Trump's policies are harming people rarely. Right? Not not that I can think of at least. Okay, let's see. Uh let's see. Kanye did InfoWars. Uh, yeah, I think he did. I know that Candace did uh InfoWars and I know that Kanye was going to do InfoWars, but then he got into, like, a, a tweet scuffle with uh, Ben Shapiro, and I'll talk about that here in a, in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, overall, this this interview is powerful stuff. And for those conservatives who are still in doubt, as to whether or not Kanye West is being effective or not, and as to whether or not this is real, I mean, because believe me, I've even had like a lot of conservatives who have been on me for the past week saying, "Sam, how can you, how can you just jump ahead and jump on board the Kanye West train fully?" Um, you know, he's not a conservative. And, uh, you know, don't be fooled. Something small is fishy. 
I understand that, folks, too. I, I really do. I, I understand the skepticism with Kanye. I do. I wasn't so sure this thing was uh, copacetic last week either. Even when I was analyzing the song, I wasn't fully certain of whether or not this was a good move. But then something interesting happened at my college last week. I had a young uh, black man, one of my peers, who shall remain nameless. And he's a nice dude. Uh, kind of a very apolitical. As is the case with, with most uh, college students I know. I, I realize I'm, a, I'm an anomaly too. With uh, being interested in, in politics. Like there are. Like all of the college students who are into into politics and into policy, like, we're all, we're all nerds. I get that. But this student was a young uh, black man, and, and I, I know him, and I, and I know he's into hip-hop. And I, I assumed, I, I had never really started a dialogue with him about politics, because... I assumed that it just wasn't something that we were going to agree on. Uh, and so I wasn't going to be the one to, you know, start something that could become confrontational and whatnot, believe me. Uh, I don't, I do plenty of standing on my soapbox and espousing my political views on this show and in my political columns. I really don't need the stress of uh, bringing it on to my college campus with me. Uh, with that being said, it was interesting because following the Ye versus the People single being released, this guy came up to me and started ask me, asking me questions about Trump and about the Make America Great Again movement. And he was more or less just asking me my opinions on what that meant. And so, you know, I explained to him how I view uh, conservatism and how I view libertarianism, how I believe that America is the greatest country on the face of the earth where each individual person can forge their own path through hard work and through faith and through uh, moral ethics and how people can be industrious and go on to create great things in this country and how this country has afforded me the opportunity to succeed as a young man with physical disabilities. It was a very good conversation, not a long one. It wasn't like we sat down and had a long 35, 40 minute chat. This was only like 
five minutes that we had in between classes. But nonetheless, the fact that he said that he was curious about uh, Trump and make America great again after hearing this Kanye West single tells me that whatever people are saying about Kanye West and however skeptical people might be about this, at, at first glance, Kanye is definitely doing something notable here. And for the moment, I wholeheartedly support it. Now, uh, Tommy Laren made a, uh, a video. She's a Fox News contributor now. In the past, I've supported Tommy Laren when she's been under fire from other conservatives. Right? A, a lot of conservatives I know see Tommy Laren as nothing more than an airhead, as nothing more than a, uh, you know, a blonde, uh, well, to be honest, bimbo, who, uh, you know, is just there to look pretty. I mean, and, and I've defended her, even when she was in hot water for, uh, having pro, for having a pro-choice stance, I defend her on my podcast and in one of my columns. I said that although I disagree with um, her on the pro-choice stance, I don't necessarily believe that that should discredit her as a conservative and as a voice in the conservative movement. And I still stand by that, ladies and gentlemen. I still do. Nothing has changed with that. But I was very disheartened this week when I saw a video from her where she basically says that this whole thing with Kanye West supporting Trump is a sham and that conservatives shouldn't fall for it. Uh, very disheartening. I'm going to play the clip and break it down for you. So this is uh, Tommy Laren's final thoughts on Kanye West. Cut number one, go. Conservatives, Trump supporters, and free thinkers, please do not attach yourselves to Kanye West. It will backfire. Mark my words, it will backfire. It's time for final thoughts. You know, I've been skeptical of Kanye's awakening from the beginning, but I mostly kept my mouth shut because I was cautiously optimistic. It's certainly true he always marches to the beat of his own drum, and for that I give him credit. He's unconventional and a loose cannon, but if he opens eyes and minds of a demographic largely unaware of the merits of conservatism, independent thought, and support for our president, wonderful. But this president did not win based on the whims of the celebrity elite. He won because he focused on the average American. So do not make Kanye or any celebrity a messiah. Just look at this TMZ interview on Tuesday. It was nothing short of disastrous. I was addicted to opioids. I had plastic surgery because I was trying to look good for y'all. I got liposuction. 
because I didn't want y'all to call me fat like y'all called Rob at the wedding and made him fly home before me and Kim got married. I didn't want y'all to call me fat, so I got liposuction, right? And they gave me opioids, right? And I started taking two of them and then driving to work on the opioids. Oh, and what about this ridiculous theory? You hear about slavery for 400 years? For 400 years? That sounds like a choice. No, Kanye, slavery was not a choice. That's absurd. I'm sorry, but is that really the kind of messenger we want for the movement? Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, now... <laughs> a few things I have to point out here, and this is the perfect facial expression for me to pause on. I, I didn't do this on purpose either. But, uh, I... I find it interesting that this is where I, where I paused with this facial expression. Okay. Tommy saying that we shouldn't rely on celebrities to uh you know boost our our movement. Uh excuse me. What was Trump before he became president of the United States, Tommy? What? What? Oh, he was a celebrity. What was Reagan before he became president? An actor, right? So, so this whole thing about, oh, you know, conservatives, we we can't we can't put our faith in celebrities. Uh you know, and we can't embrace celebrityism. First, first off, no one is asking. Uh, Kanye isn't asking us to put his blind, to put our blind faith in him, and neither is Trump because they're celebrities. But both of them were using their, were and are using their platforms as celebrity and as celebrities, and in Trump's case. Uh, former celebrity to open people's minds and in, also in Trump's case to actually make policy to help the country. But this, this notion that conservatives, you know, that, that we, we can't embrace celebrities because they're stupid. Granted, a lot of them are, but we do have some on, on our side. So don't, don't crap on them. Um, Expand the tent. Don't break it down. I mean, even Owen Benjamin and Dennis Miller are celebrities. They may be minor celebrities now, but they're still celebrities. Continuing on. Oh, also, uh, quick note. I'm not sure if Tommy watched the full interview. She probably didn't, judging from what I'm hearing. Or Kanye's comment about drugs and the, the comment about slavery went so far over her, her head and she clearly doesn't understand metaphors when she hears them. But I think Kanye's change of heart has little to do with Trump, politics, or free thought, and a heck of a lot more to do with Kanye promoting Kanye as usual. This is a man who will do and say anything to be the center of attention. Remember this? George Bush doesn't care about black people. Or how about this? 
Oh, and this doozy. Look, Kanye is a businessman, and he knows how to get people talking about him better than anyone else, and it's smart on his part. So let me get inside Kanye's head for a minute. If I'm planning to drop a single in a week, what better way to promote it than nab all the headlines than to get the whole world talking about me? What is the most outrageous thing I could say to shock everyone? Oh, right. Come out in support of Donald Trump. That'll do it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe his love of Trump and conservative thought is genuine. But to be honest, who cares? Are we really going to put our eggs in Kanye West's basket? What happens when you flip the script uh -huh. next week or next month in a bid to nab more attention? Then what? Oh. We look like fools. The irony of her remarks there is so delicious. Who cares? Huh? I, I don't know. I don't know, Tommy. Did you go on The View a few years, like about a year and a half ago and say that you were pro-choice? Didn't you mock and criticize some of the pro-life people for being too, uh, you know, obsessive with, with pro-life values? Didn't you say that some of them were, uh, you know, too stringent? For you to essentially say that, uh, you know, Kanye is, is unqualified to talk on issues, that is rich coming from you. Pointing him our cultural messiah. Don't fall for it. Those are my final thoughts. Feel free to disagree. From L.A., God bless and take care. But, oh, Tommy Lahren is is brilliant. She's the most brilliant commentator that we have today. She's such a true conservative too. We yeah, we need more Tommies in in the world. That that's what all of her fan fan girls and admittedly some of her fan boys would say. Yeah, Tommy's, this is, this is what I had to deal with on Twitter yesterday. Yeah, Tommy's right. We shouldn't fully, you know, we shouldn't fully trust Kanye West. First of all, no one is saying that we fully should, uh, trust Kanye West or that we should put our faith in any celebrity. But, but give him a, give him a chance first. I'm at least willing to be open-minded about Kanye's effectiveness, and, and like I shared a while ago in, in my story, it is possible that Kanye is helping us to have a dialogue about these serious topics. It definitely is possible. You know, and, and Tommy could be completely right, and we could all... We could all be being duped right now, too. But you know what? You know who else they said that about? Donald Trump. During the entire election season in 2016, the Never Trump movement 
even after the election, they were saying, this is all a farce. Trump is a big New York liberal. We can't have him in the party. This is a fraud. In fact, they went so far as to subvert, to actively try and subvert Trump's election by running that stupid Evan McMullen guy. Then at one point they were trying to start like a third party with Mark Cuban, of all people. Who granted, he may be a smart businessman, but politically he is, yeah, he's not... He's not even on the, uh, right, well, he's not really even on, he's not really even the libertarian, he's just out there. So my point being, it's incredibly ironic that Tommy, uh, Laren is criticizing Kanye West, yet was complaining when a lot of conservatives were criticizing her pro-choice stance for more valid reasons. Okay, and the reason why I brought up that video uh, of her and the final thoughts is because people were bringing bringing that up and that's kind of made the headlines too. So I I wanted to uh, address that as well. Look, as far as Kanye doing his his thing right now with opening minds, I, I fully support it. I think it's great. I think we've needed a dialogue. Now this goes, we're not done with the show quite yet. This goes uh, into another topic, into a bigger topic. Which is, why am I spending so much time on Kanye West? Why have I spent two episodes now talking about Kanye West and the... uh, the song and the the TMZ interview. Why is this important? Well, it's important because politics is downstream from culture, as Andrew Breitbart used to say when he was alive. Right? This battle that we've been fighting against the left for the last 40 years or so most conservatives have been approaching it economically, right, and, and policy-wise. And that is why, with the exception of President Ronald Reagan, we have generally failed at combating them. The left economic Marxism here in America cannot happen. It just can't because of the way that we... Uh, that we've been established. Communists have tried to establish economic communism here in in America. It's failed because of HUAC and because just because of the American spirit. It, it's not it's not going to work. But cultural Marxism is where the left has won major points, ladies and gentlemen. Cultural Marxism with the infiltration of the universities and of the entertainment complex of Hollywood and the music industry, they've, the left has successfully instituted our cultural institutions, 
including academia and Hollywood, for the last 50 to 60 years quite successfully and without confrontation from the right because, let's admit it, up until just a few years ago, the right was horrible, absolutely horrible when it came to being creative or to talking about cultural issues. And uh, Andrew Breitbart talked about the dangers of cultural Marxism several times when he was alive. Dax actually, Dax in the chat, I don't know if you're still there, they're Dax, but Dax was the one last week in the comments who said that he wished Breitbart was still alive to see all of this coming to fruition. Well, I have a clip from Andrew Breitbart himself. Uh, this was back in 2011, 2012, shortly before his death. He was talking about cultural Marxism at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, this was shortly before he died, and he talked about the importance of why fighting the left's cultural Marxism is so important and how we as conservatives can fight back. And luckily, conservatives and libertarians are finally starting to fulfill Andrew's vision of fighting back against the cultural left. But anyway, this is uh, Andrew Breitbart at the Heritage Foundation. This is another 10-minute clip or so, which I will uh, break down and analyze as we go along. Cut number one, go. We are the apostates. We are the ex-smokers who are furious <laughs> when we see somebody lighting up. And so our outrage when we see liberalism in its hypocritical uh, display, uh, we're the ones who get the most outrage. And by hypocritical display, in my book I talk about it's not that the economic stuff that makes me so angry, though it does. It's the cultural Marxism on the left that drives me crazy. The cultural Marxism that, in the guise of American studies at American uh, at Tulane University, where I thought I was going to be reading Mark Twain and and other great literary figures, I was inundated with rape lit. My freshman in, fre in advanced freshman uh, English, it was just I mean one book of victimhood after the other. I didn't even know what it was. I just was depressed. I, uh, I'm like, is, is, there, is there a book that does not have haikus about rape? I don't want to read about rape anymore and, and oppression. It was so unbelievably depressing, but I didn't even know what it was. And when I graduated, and I started to realize that I graduated with less skills than I had entered, and the, the head of the American Studies uh, uh, Department, who I liked a lot, uh, sent me uh, a survey when I was kind of figuring out that I was unemployable after college, what do you think of your American Studies degree? And I had so much free time that I actually started to read the books in greater detail than the first four or four pages of the chapter. You know how how you would do that, like before you got into a class. And I started. I go, who's Herbert Marcusa, and who's 
Theodore Adorno and who's Antonio Gramsci, however they're pronounced, or Horkheimer. And I started to look into who these people were and what's this word deconstruction and what's repressive tolerance and what, what are these guys, what did these guys try to do? This is my Glenn Beck conspiracy, Dana, uh, in the book. It's my, uh, this is my, my, my billboard in my head of what happened to American society, how a country that fought so valiantly against Marxist ideas when they were aimed at the economic pillar of American society, they failed because middle-class American values worked. People came here with a nickel in their pocket and, uh, you know, you know, they'd say, hey, look, the boss is a really bad guy. We need to bond together and take down the, the owner. They go, no, I've got a widget that I'm working on that's going to make it so that we can make 20, you know, you know, things instead of 40 things. And I think I'm going to be able to create a company based upon it. So what Breitbart mentioned right there at the end of this first segment is uh is key here ladies and gentlemen right economic marxism didn't work in this country because we're we're innovators we're natural innovators right even the even the factory workers are innovators now granted there were unfair practices in labor we had we had unions they fixed things uh and now we don't need them any, anymore uh it's no coincidence too that the unions have become a major tool of the left as well but i digress that's another uh topic for another time uh going back to kind of the be beginning of the clip uh breitbart talks also about how his uh, English lit degree was useless after he got out of college. Uh, how this AP lit degree was useless and how uh, when he was unemployed, he actually went back and started reading these books and, you know, discovered pretty early on how foolish all this was interesting uh very interesting now now he's going to go ahead and talk about how the cultural uh how cultural marxism got into this country and this is fascinating because what you're going to hear i mean you've already heard some of the buzzwords what andrew mentions with culture Marxism, you're going to hear buzzwords now that we hear all the time coming from social justice warriors. This is fascinating. The left was never able to be victorious in its argument. Sure, there were there was a battle out there, but America was not really susceptible to the arguments of economic Marxism. But the cultural Marxists, and especially Gramsci, uh, came up with an interesting idea where there was Marxist-Leninist thought, which was the revolutionary impulse. There was uh, this idea of gradualism. Gradualism meant that we can kind of do this thing 
bit by bit and think of this as the long march through the institutions. And the cultural Marxists from the Frankfurt School, those people that I mentioned, figured out it's the cultural institutions that we need to walk through the front door and take them over. And they did it to a uh, academia. The post-structuralist model uh, is, is what our it's why our children come back from Thanksgiving after you hugged them and you gave them a stereo and bought them the little cool refrigerator and they said, I love you, Mom, I love you, Dad, it's a great thing. And they come back saying, why are we having Thanksgiving? <laughs> Mom and Dad, you're oppressing Native Americans. It's why we have Whole Foods. We can't just buy crap that we like. We have to be reinforced that we're saving the world while we're buying that uh, uh, <coughs> uh, I don't know name of expensive bread well, or, or prosciutto. You know, expense focaccia, and you can put it together and put arugula on. It's delicious. <laughs> so anyway. That became my conspiracy theory, in essence, that the left translated economic Marxists from the haves versus the have-nots, the owner class versus the, uh, you know, the, the workers, to the oppressor and the oppressed. And they, they, they hit that every single day of our lives. I, I, it's I'll say this. I'm going to pause the clip here. Andrew Breitbart was way – he was either way ahead of his time, which I think in many ways he was, or more likely he just – he saw a lot of the social justice crap coming down the pipeline before it really been took hold, right? I When he was alive – I remember it back in high school when I was like 2010, 2011, uh, 2009, 2010, uh, and then, yeah, 2011, which was my sophomore year. Uh, Breitbart was a big thing then, and Andrew Breitbart himself is the reason why I'm on Twitter. Uh, back when Breitbart was still on Twitter, and back when I first joined Twitter, Twitter was actually still a relatively neutral platform, believe it or not. And uh, conservatives could go on there and promote their blogs, or in my case, promote their uh, podcasts. It was great, and Breitbart was really the one who influenced us all to start, you know, creating our own media and creating our own websites and our own blogs and creating our own uh, content uh, and promoting that on, on Twitter and Facebook and other places and being our own media and creating our own culture. He was brilliant at it. Uh, and... In his lifetime, the modern social justice warrior movement was, it was there, but it wasn't as big as it was, it wasn't as loud or as impactful as it was, as it is 
today, right? I, I think, I think the first big SJW, uh, movement that I can think of was the Occupy Wall Street movement, which, uh, interestingly enough, Andrew spent the last year of his life, you know, combating them and exposing them. Uh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I've talked about this on the Whitfield Analysis, my other podcast before, but I'll say again, uh, quick footnote, Andrew Breitbart did in fact die of a heart attack. Uh, I know that whenever I talk about Breitbart, there are always people who like to bring up the conspiracy that, oh, that the Obama administration had him assassinated. Uh, I've talked to Larry O'Connor and Ben Shapiro both uh, personally about this, ladies and gentlemen, not to drop names, uh, but they've both told me that Andrew wasn't assassinated. He had a he had a uh, a congenital heart condition because he was adopted that no one uh, knew about, and the thought is. And this is what I believe was true, that fighting Occupy Wall Street and sticking up for the Tea Party, um, it took so much stress, it was so much stress on him that he did end up having a heart attack, and uh, it's it's tragic. Anyway, uh, just had to make that quick uh, comment, continuing on with... uh, Breitbart's analysis on culture Marxism. It's the theme of my book about why the Tea Party is attacked as being racist. Oppressor, oppress, oppressor, oppressed. You can't go on a TV show as a Republican. I was on Joy Behar the other night and, and Stephanie uh, Miller. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, Joy was nice to me. Joy was a joy this time. But... Uh, and I liked her. I, I, I'm willing to like these people. I treat reporters, Dana, as individuals. I think that the entire, I think that the entire racket stinks to high hell in its use of uh, objectivity and neutrality as the cudgel. To pretend that you're neutral when you're not is the number one tool that the left uses in the media. Rush Limbaugh admits he's conservative. So does Sean Hannity. Just admit that you're liberal. Like, like God send Keith Olbermann and God send Rachel Maddow. I don't have a problem with those people. I don't. Because at least they're honest. At least the Huffington Post was honest about where it was coming. I created it, by the way. Um. I went on the Joy Behar show, and and they said, um, Alan West racist. He did, did in fact, create the Huffington Post, uh, by the way. I'll get into that here in a sec. Why? Because he said something about, you know, Muslims. He said, Muslim, Islam isn't a race. But it's just, it's just, it's racism. The Tea Party's racist. What do you mean? What did they do? Oh, we have evidence that the Tea Party is racist. MSNBC's Contessa Brewer pointed out when she showed a photograph of a man whose head was cut off holding a gun. 
implying that the Tea Party was racist and violent and that nobody should leave their house and protest because dissent no longer is patriotic. And uh, lo and behold, these evil bloggers who don't have enough fact checkers and don't have enough editors to protect us uh, from ourselves found out that that missing head was a black man, a black Tea Partier. And uh, my big revelation was Clarence Thomas hearing. So race. Now, this is important. I, I just kind of want to preface this. Breitbart is about to explain more or less his origin story for how he became a conservative, if you want to describe it that way. He explains how he became a conservative, what led him to conservatism, because he was a default liberal prior to this, and it all has to do with the uh, Clarence Thomas hearings. Very interesting, very interesting stuff. I'll play this, I'll analyze, and then we'll wrap, we'll wrap up the show. It's the beginning for me. It was like, it was, I was super politically correct. Will you be my friend, sir? Will you? I wanted a black friend so bad. <laughs> you have no idea. When I was liberal, I did. And then uh, George Bush said, like, the soft bigotry of lowered expectations. I was like, yeah, I th that, that made so much sense to me. And the Clarence Thomas hearings was clarifying for me. That was like the moment. I, I didn't have perspective at that point, but that was the moment that I realized that I wanted race to be my issue. Um, when I saw that Clarence Thomas was the, the alignment of the press, the feminists, Eleanor Smeal and Patricia Schroeder walking up earnestly, and... Uh, <laughs> Peter Jennings, Dan Rather, like, ooh, this is the most serious thing we've ever discussed in the history of the world. And uh, I, I was pro-choice uh, pro back then. Um, and I understood, even in my shallow liberal li liberalism, that I understood that the, con the subtext of this entire thing was the abortion debate. I wasn't that dumb. When I saw that they were willing to invade his privacy to start grilling him on whether or not he rented pornography simply to em embarrass him, to show that he's human and has a human flaw, and that the people who were grilling him were Caucasian, privileged, and in the case of Ted Kennedy, the dic dictionary definition of workplace sexual harassment. Uh, I, I, I started... Vice President Joe Biden was on that committee... Uh, two, by the way. So, yeah, between, uh, Ted Kennedy and, uh, Joe Biden, who were grilling, uh, Clarence Thomas, a black man, yeah, we had some, uh, we had some real winners back then in, in the 90s. Uh, but, you know, thank God that happened because Breitbart came over to our side early on and you know, created the modern conservative internet as we know it now. I go, okay, I'm, I, I was rooting to take this guy down. And then when I heard people, when I saw the I Believe Anita Hill 
bumpers. I believe Anita. I believe. I believe Anita. What? That in six years of work, or six or five, I, I, I not, I didn't fact check it, but in working with him for years and years and years, she went job to job to job, rose through the ranks, got uh, raises, and the worst thing that ever happened was he said that there was a pubic hair on a coke can. I said, if you worked with me. <laughs> by lunchtime something worse is going to be said but I'm not Bill Clinton who within one year became the standard bearer of the Democratic Party a year after the year of the woman where sexual harassment was defined by pubic hair on a po- uh, coke can Kearns Thomas woke me up and the Bill Clinton thing got me angry. And I started to figure out what the hell just happened because. All right, so that is the end of the clip. It kind of cuts off uh, inconveniently there. The reason why I played the clip for you there is because Breitbart basically dissects what cultural Marxism is and why it's important that we fight it. And and so again, to all those conservatives out there who are saying, Sam, why are you spending so much time on the, on the Kanye West uh, thing? Why did you spend an entire episode and now two episodes of your show talking about Kanye West. He, he's, a, he's a celebrity. Why should we... Why should we even care? Because, folks, the left has taken over the culture for the last 40 to 50 years. And they have moved the Overton window or as I like to call it, the pendulum, the clock pendulum of culture, so far to the left that we that we can't we can't avoid it anymore. I I was talking to one of my close uh, friends today. It was actually I, I was talking to Joshua Johnson about this on uh, Facebook. You know, guests on this show before, regular guest, great guy. I, I I love Joshua Johnson, love him. But he and I disagree on the on this Kanye West thing. He asked me, why do you like Kanye West and Candace Owens so much? They're engaging in identity politics, just like the left is. We're conservatives. We we can't be doing that. And I. And I said to him, and I'll, I'll say to you guys, I don't think that, that Kanye West and Candace Owens are engaging in identity politics necessarily by talking about the issues in black America. That's not engaging in identity politics within itself. But even if it is, let's say, you know, let's say his example, and look, he's not the only one who has said this. A couple other conservatives have said this to me as well. Okay, let's say that, that that this premise is true, that Kanye and Candace Owens are engaging in, in identity politics. 
even if even if that is true, ladies and gentlemen, we are at the point in America where we can no longer afford to ignore identity identity politics. I'm not saying that we should necessarily in, in, that we should necessarily in, engage in it ourselves in the same way the left does. I think that's bad, and I think that um, I don't think that that's helpful at all. However, we we just simply can't ignore it anymore, folks. We can't. We we've tried to ignore it for the last. Well, really, for the last ten year ten years. Uh, under under Obama, we tr- we try to ignore it. We we try to talk about legislation, and we we try to focus more on economics, and we we tried all that. But the le- the left still has a stranglehold on the culture. Donald Trump won in a big way because he addressed cultural issues. And he talked about issues in the black community. He said the black community, the black community is broken. Your schools are no bad, are no good. You guys have really high crime rates. What do you guys have left to lose? Vote for me. He addressed the issue front and center. And a lot of black people in this country voted for him. Because he faced the issue head on. Kanye West is doing much the same thing in his music and in his records. Right? I read a lyric from the song E versus the People. The problem with this damnation. All blacks got to be Democrats. We ain't made it off the plantation yet. That's a line from that song. And it's highly effective. That line has started a dialogue with people. That line has forced people to start dialogue with each other, even if they may disagree with each other, which is... Which is what Kanye's Kanye's intention was, I believe. So Kanye is is addressing the the cultural the cultural Marxism in his way. Breitbart did it when he was alive. I'm doing it now on the Whitfield Report and in all my other activities with American Watchmen and with NGC and with the Unbearables. We we can't afford to ignore the culture anymore, folks. We really can't. Politics is downstream from culture. All right. Uh, let's let's read the comments before we sign off. Uh, let's see. Stephanie. Uh, said 400 years is is absurd because it isn't true yeah exa- exactly that that's what that's what Kanye was saying too but 
they've had the mindset for 400 years, or a lot of them did up until recently. Let's see. Uh, let's see. I, I agree with, with our Stephanie about Tommy. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Yeah, Steph. So, Stephanie in the YouTube chat, for for those of you listening on the audio podcast, by the way, I have a live uh, chat room on the YouTube live stream, and people can come in and comment during the show, uh, which you can do when I'm live streaming on YouTube. The show usually airs around 8, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday evenings, and uh, goes until around 10, like we are tonight, and people can chat. So, one of our uh, listeners, I, I won't say her last name, but Stephanie uh, was saying that Tommy is, you know, ineffective and uh, whatnot. And Stephanie, I, I, I do agree with your remark that she does more harm than good. I, I will say this. I think Tommy was effective in bringing a lot of young women into the movement. Um, but I don't think she's a, a she's not an intellectual heavyweight by any means necessary. And that's pretty clear. However, I also think that Tommy is, is a hypocrite. And that's my that's my big problem with her now, is that she's a hypocrite. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay. Man, man, I miss it, Andrew. Oh, yeah. I miss, I miss Breitbart, too. Uh, as I said last week to, to Dax in replying to his comment, I miss Andrew, too. I think he was a genius, and I, I wish he was still around to guide us. Um... And it's it's interesting what you're saying, Tiffany, about him being a prophet and uh, about the path that we were in now on. I mean, depends on what you define as being a prophet. I don't, I don't think that Andrew was necessarily a, a guy who, like, had any huge... Uh, he didn't have, like, any major insights, like, in terms of predictions, but I think he was good at reading the tea leaves, and he saw where all this uh, social justice warrior stuff was uh, headed, and he, he read the tea leaves, he read the tea leaves accurately, and he called things as they were. And uh, yes, folks, he did co- co-found uh, the Huffington Post with uh, Ariana Huffington, and uh, well, I've, while I'm thinking of it, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I do have a book recommendation for you, for you all, if you haven't, uh, read his book yet, uh, Andrew, before he passed away, he, he wrote a book in, uh, in 2012 called 
uh, righteous indignation. Excuse me while I save the world. I'm pulling it up on um, Amazon right now for you guys to uh, see. Here it is. I'm pulling up the uh, the web page right now. Okay, so here's the book. Uh, righteous Indignation, Excuse Me While I Save the World. Uh, this is by Andrew Bytebar. It's, it's dated a little bit, ladies and gentlemen. It was published on April 24th, uh, 2012, so a couple of years old now. Um, Breitbart basically talked about how he became a conservative. It's essentially his, uh, autobiography mixed with his, really with his guide on how the right can uh, win battles using social media and using technology and using uh, basically counter-cultural Marxism. It's a brilliant read. I'll link to the book in the uh, show notes after the show is over. But yeah, if you haven't, if you haven't read this uh Book it, go look it up on Amazon. Again, that's Righteous Indignation. Excuse me while I save the world. I, uh, I, I got this book on Audible when I, when I first moved to, uh, Florida. So he had, that was in 2013, 2014. He had already passed away by then. But it, it was very, uh, insightful to read or in my case listen to uh Andrew's story basically about how how he became a conservative and how he can uh win battles and how we can win battles in the culture as conservatives. It's it's a it's one of the best how to conservative guides that I've ever read. And uh I highly recommend it to each and all of you. Alright folks, and uh, with that I want to thank you all for listening to the program. I really uh, I really appreciate everyone for uh, tuning in. I guess the, uh, the overall message of the show this week is uh, you know, let, let's not let's not cut each other off. Um, from welcoming in people to this conservative movement. We need, we need more allies more than ever, ladies and gentlemen. And so, like I said, Kanye is more than welcome in my view. I think it's a little bit hypocritical that, uh, Tommy was being, uh, so harsh on him, especially when, you know, some vocal members of my audience don't think she's been that effective. Um, and I'd like to thank everyone in the chat for interacting. Kimmy, Dax, uh, Josh, a.k.a. Bicentennial Bear, uh, Stephanie, Kimmy, uh, B. West. And that that's fine. I, I know that you were listening. Uh, and thank you for doing so, ma'am. I really appreciate that. Um, like, please, uh, if you're on YouTube, like, uh, comment, and subscribe. 
and uh, share on your social media platforms. If you're on iTunes or any of your audio pop podcast platforms, please leave us a five-star review rating and uh, give us a nice review if you would. And please recommend this to all of your friends and family. From all of us here at NGC Studios, have a good night. God bless. God save this great nation. And I'll see you uh, next week, ladies and gentlemen, for our big uh, special show with our guest, uh, John Neary of Knee TV. He's going to be my guest uh, next week. We're going to be uh, taping the interview on uh, the 8th. But it'll, it'll air next Saturday, same time. And we're, we're going to be talking about every topic under the sun, from uh, politics to faith to culture and everything in between. And I, I want to wish John uh, uh, congratulations. He just had his 100th show of Knee TV today on YouTube. So go and check his channel out. It's uh, amazing. And like I said, folks, from all of us here at NGC Studios, good night, God bless, and God save this great nation. I'll see you next week. God bless.